Hello everyone, thank you for joining us today at the Untitled Art Podcast on the third panel of the day. I am Clara Andrade, the Director of Development and Programming at Untitled Art. Alongside Jane Sons, Revoke's current exhibition at MOCAD, Museum of Contemporary Art Detroit, on view through March 25, 2023, this Untitled Art Podcast features a conversation between the artist and independent curator Pedro Alonso who is currently the adjunct curator at Dallas Contemporary. The conversation will address the notion of automation in industry and how factory based on hard label is experienced across the United States, suggesting that mechanization informs artistic practice. Considering the relationship between humans and technology, Revolk has created a unique series of instruments that act as an extension of his body, utilizing these complex tools in concert with his hands to conceive his distinctive compositions. Revoque and Alonso called the contemporary value system of traditional paintings is to question as Revoque creates a new frontier on how an artist might practice in the age of machines. Before handing the mic to Pedro, who is also going to expand on Jason's trajectory and practice, I want to introduce you to Pedro Alonso, our moderator. Pedro is an independent curator and an art advisor who specializes in producing exhibitions that transcend the boundaries of museum walls. He has worked extensively with a variety of organizations to develop complex public art projects and help build several notable collections of contemporary art. As said, Pedro is currently an adjunct curator at Dallas Contemporary and was formerly an adjunct curator at the ICA Boston. I also want to invite you all to pass by Library Street Collective at booth A11 to check out his work. Pedro, I pass the mic over to you. Thank you for being part of the Untitled Art Podcast, and it's all yours now. Thank you, Clara. Um, thank you all for coming here. And uh, Jason, good, good to see you, man. Thank you for having me. Am I on now? Yeah, it's very loud. Wow. My wife's always yelling at me saying I talk too loud, so this is perfect for her. Mine does that too. You, you as well. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I wanted to actually start with, um, when we first met because, um, back in 2010, I, I put together a show of, uh, a street art show, Viva la Revolucion in San Diego at the Museum of Contemporary Art. And, um, at the after party, we were in this, you know, bar, there were people dancing. And, um, I remember, uh, Nick Bowers from Shepherd's Crew was like, oh my God that's Jace, that's Revoke. And, uh, and then Ojemios were super excited too. And I was like, God, these guys don't get excited about anything, but they're really excited that you were there. And I felt really ignorant because, you know, honestly, at that time I wasn't familiar with their work. And I was like, well, who is this guy? And Nick's like totally humiliating me because he's like, dude, that's Revoke. He's like the only, like the biggest graffiti artist in LA. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And, you know, we met and over the years we've, we've stayed in touch and I've, I've seen your career develop, but, um, I, I was really, it was, uh, it was really great to see two guys like Ojemios who are not impressed by anything be so impressed by you and your work. And they're, um, they're, they're big fans. So well, I, I, I'm big fans of those guys obviously as well too. Um, 
I think that's one thing about the kind of the world that I come from that really, uh, I think it's a gift and a curse. It's kind of, a, it's a very insular world. It's almost like this uh, art scene that exists kind of parallel outside of really outside of view of this other larger kind of uh, more inviting, more inclusive kind of uh, art scene that's happening that I think the world kind of engages with and is familiar with. But graffiti is very it's like, and when I mean graffiti, that sometimes, you know, includes street art or some of these other kind of um, subgenres that are have spun off over the years over it. But graffiti is like a very, very particular thing. And the, the real kind of core traditional graffiti practice is the world that I come from. And uh, just by its nature, it's like the, the language of it and the practice of it is very, um, well, it's very illegal and criminal, but it's also like the like the kind of a lot of a lot of the kind of uh, like the like the caste system that kind of establishes this like kind of hierarchy and like how to kind of perceive and understand what it is that's happening. You have to really kind of invest a lot of personal time to really kind of get to understand the language and all these kind of different factors on what what kind of makes what special and important. And, I, um, you know, I'm not even sure where I'm going with it at this no. point, but but uh but it's something that I'm very proud of and that I spent really all my entire life uh, completely committed and engaged with. And it was like through that experience that I started kind of being open to and and uh, and learning about the larger art world that that was happening. That was, you know, that was uh, a lot a lot broader in scope because that that's such a narrow it's 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 just really focused on doing things a particular way. And and everybody's very very hung up on on kind of uh, keeping up traditions and and doing things uh, with a real kind of limited scope. So for me, uh, expanding my kind of creative practice beyond the 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 scope of of that really was kind of a liberating thing for me because that started to feel after like thirty years really really limiting and kind of uh, just really redundant to be honest with you you know it, it, it's interesting because i i come i came out from it from the other direction so i was you know curating shows working doing work in museums firmly in the contemporary art world and came across street art mm -hmm. you know with uh guys like you know shepherd and the twins and and that you know you can't look at that work without learning about graffiti right but at one point I mean, there was a point in time where we didn't even know the difference. Like you people would, the two things were the same thing, right? There was a point in time when everyone just thought it was vandalism. There was a time when there wasn't a distinct, it was hard to distinguish. It took me a while to learn like, oh, wait, this isn't graffiti. <laughs> and this is, you know, there, there, but there was, there was a distinction. And, um, and, and in your practice, I, I was impressed how you went from really daring, bold graffiti. I mean, some of the images you'll see here on the screen behind me, um, you know, on, on the freeway overpasses. I mean, this is like really bold, daring stuff. And, and that's part of the, um, as I learned later, the currency, right? The caste system you referred to. That, that daring makes you more prominent? I, I, think, over the, I think over the years... Um, Especially uh, spending a lot of time in the studio, you know, you spend like, you know, most of your waking hours alone by yourself making weird shit with your thoughts. Yeah. 
yeah. um, you start kind of being very introspective and thinking about who you are and why you do the things that you do. And um, I think that I've come to understand that I'm, I'm much more uh, interested in kind of, um, you know, th there's certain kind of, there's a certain type of language I'm really drawn to that really appeals to me and that intuitively just kind of feels natural for me. But I think the process of just like uh, uh, really tedious, stressful, uh, laborious, and and kind of uh, you know maybe even like a like a like a self like a like a, a danger to self kind of element. Yeah, I think that yeah. there's uh, there's there's something to that, and I think that uh, like the work that I always painted in the street, I was never one of these people that was really. Um, focused on uh on trying to like engage with the public in a sense of like trying to win them over like woo them with like like technique or like or doing something that pan caters to like uh to other other people's expectations i think i was a lot more interested in just in doing things in a really kind of bold aggressive way it, where they weren't supposed to be where there's like a uh an element of danger and uh and um and you know going to jail yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. uh and i think that um i think that with my studio practice i i i like uh i like intensity yeah i think i i think that i have this dysfunctional thing about myself where i really kind of thrive on this kind of on this uh on this uh on this tension and yeah. this uh stress you so know how do you keep that stress and tension up going into the studio well it, well in the beginning uh in the beginning when i when i left los angeles and i went to detroit really my i you know, I didn't know a single person there. Uh, I had really nothing happening there. I just, I needed to get away from LA for a bunch of reasons. And I had this work that I wanted to make. And the work was, uh, for me, the work was all about really kind of uh, restricting myself, taking away everything that were, all the tools that were familiar to me, all, all of like my just kind of intuitive muscle memory and the way that I spoke. You know what? You know, with like just, just uh, like with action, just with mark making. Yeah. I wanted to really kind of like uh, put this, put myself in the self-imposed prison where I wasn't allowed to rely on anything that was comfortable, familiar for me. And and what that ended up being for me was that instead of me creating the things that I I was using to speak with, I would go out in the world and and, and find them and take them to my studio and reshape them. And the only the only um, agency I had to like kind of intervene on these found objects was just cutting a straight line yeah. with a table saw. So uh, in a sense, in a lot of ways, I was like removing myself from the work. I was removing my hand from the work and everything like you'll see, like some of this graffiti stuff that's up here. It's like real gestural, it's real loose. And there's a lot of like big body movement involved in it. And I didn't want to rely on any on any of that stuff. And brought it in that's exactly it focus. yeah exactly and i've um, seen you working with that table saw and i get nervous i mean <laughs> that blade spinning yeah i've i've almost lost i i, I don't even want to say it out loud i'm gonna jinx myself but um uh but yeah that that's where that's where like kind of my studio practice really began and and for a number of years it, i spent all my time kind of forcing myself to work in this way where I, I couldn't rely on what what I already had what I already knew and what I had already developed, and I wanted to kind of relearn a new way of speaking and 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 making, and uh, so you taught yourself not to write. You, pretty you much forgot how to write. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. How, never, how long did that take before you were comfortable and and like 
you know, like feeling a groove, you know, I, I would, I would say took a few years, maybe two or three years before I really kind of, excuse me, I really kind of got a, uh, got a, got a real kind of, it, it just got into a groove with the yeah. process. And I feel like the works that are really kind of coming together, maybe after like four or five years. Um, and then, um, and then all that time I had been living in Detroit. And then when my daughter was born, uh, my wife and I, we decided it was time to leave and go back to LA. And when, you know, I, I, I didn't feel, uh, like I didn't feel like morally, uh, I could, or, or, or even like, like, theoretically it would make sense to continue to make the work that I've been making. Cause for me, that work was just as much about Detroit as it was about myself. Yeah. So when we left and we went back to LA, I, I kind of, um, I, I spent a couple of years kind of trying to continue that process, but, but instead of uh, relying on kind of found objects and telling this like great larger story of like the city that I was in and everything that had been going on there, I then just began to create everything inside the studio and, you know, I would say like beginning to end that whole series, probably probably spent about 10 years until I, I had spent enough time away from painting to where I felt comfortable returning to painting that I could do it in a new, fresh way that, where I wouldn't just like pick up where I left off painting graffiti. And uh, and for me, that then began this this whole new practice of creating tools and creating these kind of systems uh, that where where. I w- there was still a bit of that kind of like uh, restrictive element where I wasn't allowed to just like freely yeah. make ju- do gestural mark making. It was kind of restricted to this like this this system that incorporated tools where it was much more process based. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, uh, my hand is really kind of revealed through the mistakes that I make yeah. uh, instead of it being relying on this kind of like romantic you know, emotional, gestural kind of painting. But you, you, you went from the gesture and the kind of the movement, you went from the gesture and the movement to, um, but you didn't leave spray paint. I mean, that's still, you're still like using spray paint. That's like your, and, and the tools you've developed, the way you work with them show, um, a deep knowledge of spray paint. Well, I, you know, it's something I still struggle with, but I, I found myself uh, feeling a real kind of insecurity. The fact that I don't have any education, the fact that I don't, I didn't go to art school, um, the fact that I don't have any kind of like formal, like classical art training. And I felt, uh, I, I still, I mean, to be honest with you, feel like a certain amount of like insecurity about that. But um, at a certain point, I stood, I just started to really kind of be comfortable with and embrace what, you know, honestly, this is who I am. Totally. This is like, um, you know, like 30 years of painting in this way means something. I think that, I think that, uh, I think that it matters. And, and I think that, I think that the movement that we spoke on earlier, that I'm a part of this larger collective group and like, and how, like how impactful and, and how impactful it's been in the entire world, yeah. not just like on people's personal lives, but, uh, the influence that it's had on, on painting as a whole, on, on, on media, on advertising, on, on fashion, whatever you name it. I mean, it's really kind of crossed over and bled into and like its seeds have have grown and turned into new things and all these other different facets of like creative culture and media everywhere, really. Totally. Planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, I, you know, I started to kind of really kind of embrace that and take a certain amount of pride in that. And, you know, uh, and I just felt like this is who I am. These are the tools that I've worked with my entire life. Uh, 
these tools have really kind of enabled me to to do everything that I do up until this point. Why not just embrace them and use them? But uh, but it, you know, it, and since the moment that's happened, it's been a, uh, a practice of just trying to figure out how to do it in a new, interesting way that keeps me excited and engaged. You know? No, totally. Well, I, I mean, I one one of um, something very unique in your your evolution is. Think about Barry McGee or or Gemios, for example, who also come out of graffiti. There was a, a transition from graffiti and 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 you know street art, right? They they kept up a public practice and it changed from graffiti to street art. But in your case, you went like from graffiti to contemporary art. You're like there there wasn't um, like the the public side stopped, right? You you focused in on. I never stopped. You never stopped. Well, so where where is it? Because I'm not familiar with it. So where's the public stuff now? I, I just do like lazy middle-aged uh, <laughs> retirement graffiti now. <laughs> I just paint like freight trains. It's just like, it's oh, like okay. retirement graffiti. Okay, you, know, okay. you can be overweight, have a bad knee, and like not be able to <laughs> climb as well and still be pretty active, you know? Okay, okay. So you've kept that up. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. That's wonderful. I'm No, because uh, honestly... um. I've never, I mean, the, you know, the artists I've met, the giving up public art is impossible. It's like, it's like a drug. It's like they're, they're addicted to it. They want to keep doing it. It's becomes a part of your life. So I'm, I'm so glad that, and have you thought about um, doing public work with your new techniques, with your tools, with your new processes? Well, uh, well, the, so the- I saw the truck, the truck looks great. Yeah. So, okay. So, so that, that, that I call it my instrument. It's, uh, okay. I have, I created this, like, uh, this, this tool that, uh, I have, I have several of them. One holds, one's like smaller. It's a little, it's not, uh, it's not as long. It's a little bit more lightweight, easier to kind of maneuver. And I could check it onto an airplane. Uh, it's, it only holds eight cans. Okay. And then I have a, a much larger one. That's like five and a half feet. That holds 12. It's a lot heavier. Yeah. It's a little bit more difficult to use. That's what the one I usually use in the, my studio work. So I, when I created this tool, I didn't create it to, to really paint in the studio with it. Mm -hmm. um, I created it because I wanted to, uh, I wanted to continue to paint on the street illegally. But I didn't want, I just didn't want to do the same shit I've always done. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, and to be yeah. honest, like, you know, like, like I'm 45 now. Like when I made this thing, I was like maybe in my mid thirties or something, maybe like late thirties. And I, at that point, it's like I've been like painting my name so much, yeah. <laughs> and like and like the the kind of the aesthetic, the language of graffiti. It's like I, I've felt a certain kind of uh, mastery of it or whatever. And it just yeah. didn't feel like challenging or interesting anymore. And I, and and I really like this idea, like kind of before before all of the. Um, before all of those cliches, you know, mm -hmm. before all of those kind of uh, those identifiers that everybody, when you say the word graffiti, everybody thinks of like the clouds, arrows, whatever, all that yeah, shit. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Wild uh, style. Yeah. yeah, all that stuff. But before any of that stuff, like I remember just being a kid, like literally being like, my kid's right here. So I feel a little bit weird. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, the first time I like snuck out my house, so like, yeah, stole a can of spray paint, you know, just like. And like making a mark on a wall, just like the like absolute like ecstasy of like yeah. like oh I'm really gonna do this like and you like do it the first time and just like the way it looks and like the excitement of it and like the energy and just like this most simple act of mark making but like mark making is an act of like 
like a criminal act of defiance and like yeah. and just the uh the dirtiness and the messiness of spray paint and like just that real feeling of like how excited that felt i wanted to find a way to kind of go back and reconnect with that just real pure like joy and excitement and thrill of painting without any of that other stuff that kind of came to be uh really what the the definition of the experiences was after so i wanted to figure out a way to like to just, just do that simple thing of mark making, of literally just making a line on a wall and like amplify it and make it as big. Yeah, you multiplied and, it by 12. Yeah, <laughs> and like, just yeah, trying to yeah. do it, make it as like obnoxious as I possibly yeah. could. So I created that tool for that specific purpose. I made it to paint the street with. And then the more I did it, the, the more I did it in the street, I was like, oh, fuck, like this is really good. Like, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then like I couldn't, because, because like I'm an adult and I have a family, I can't spend all my time out, out at night yeah. doing that. Yeah. So I like have this thing and I'm like, I'm in the studio. I'm like cutting all these little pieces of wood and I'm like looking at it in the corner. Like I really want to use this thing. Yeah. So I started, I started using it more and more in the studio and really the pieces that I ended up making with it in the studio just came out of my inability to have any kind of discipline and leave the thing alone because uh i just i had to start making stuff with it and uh and i that's had a, awesome I, I had a lot of material and it's there in the studio and then i just like i just started making paintings on canvas with it and like just painting them painting over it painting and painting over it. i'd set like 10 up on the wall and do 10 and like two of them were decent the rest of yeah. them would suck i paint over those and i just kept doing it and the, the more i did in the studio the more i i i i i at first, I justified it by just telling myself, I'm doing this just to practice getting better to do it in the street. Okay. And then some of the paintings are like, damn, that's kind of yeah, good. Yeah, you know, they're really that. good. Yeah. And then and then that's how that's how they got to where they are now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then and then and then uh, and then also and then, you know, oh, the, I'm, I'm doing all these different like several other different series that I've developed up to this point, too, like before and then since after. So what ultimately ends up happening is I kind of create this like ecosystem in there where. Uh, I'm making all these different series. I'm making all these different works and each one kind of feeds into and leads into the other. So a lot of times that, that could be something as simple as just like creating a bunch of material and have an excess material that then, then I use as the basis of making these other works mm -hmm. or, or you um, like your self portraits. Is that, that, that ends up really kind of being the culmination of all of everything. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I, I, the show that I have up at, at MoCAD in Detroit right now, it's really the first time I've ever really kind of properly shown them. And um, there's something that I'm I'm proud of that I've been working on a long time. I mean, I justify them calling them self-portraits because really that's like in a in a real physical, literal sense. That's really what they are. They they uh, they sit there and in I I create this space inside my studio that's meant to really kind of capture and trap all the excess material. I'm using um, a lot of the tools that I use to to make my paintings are tools that I once used to be at war with like airless sprayers and like rollers are oh, yeah, what yeah, yeah. are what they've i've been battling against yeah, my entire life buff, that's what they use to buff your your work exactly yeah. so i use i use those primarily now to create uh my work along with like hvlp like automotive airbrushes and um and and the, you know the table saws and some woodworking tools but but i create this kind of room inside my studio that's meant to trap all the material and i just cover the floor with these raw linens and, you know, over the course, course of like a year, sometimes two years or more, you know, they just they just begin to accumulate and build up everything. And I see them as almost like uh, the way like a photographer does like a really long exposure. You yeah. know, like the aperture yeah, sits yeah, open yeah. a long time and it soaks up all the light for an extended period of time. 
I imagine them as almost like almost like surveillance. Like yeah. they're, they're they're just there recording me. So everything I make with like intention, everything I have an idea and I go in there to execute, there's a little bit of piece of that and everything. Yeah. And I think of them as a long-term exposure or, or a recording of me creating the work over an extended period of time. And, and it's usually about a year of time. At least a year. Yeah. yeah. And I have I have no control over them. Yeah. You know, I I'm sometimes it's really difficult to like yeah. resist, like, oh shit, that part looks really good. Like I want to cover it up and yeah. save it. But I, I don't. I just okay, I just good. let yeah. them I just let them lie. Yeah. And um, usually at the end of the year, I yeah. I like to kind of you know I'm not always I'm 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 a terribly unorganized person, but I try to just always keep in the back of my head. You know, I put those down in January. I should pull them up around yeah. December. Yeah. And uh, and you know, so it worked out perfectly with the I showed three three that are very similar, and then one that's an accumulation of four of them in my um in my current show at mocad and and it worked out perfectly because i had put them down i had put half of the room down two years before and then the other half down exactly one year before so they were they were a recording of me working for that entire year and then the last six months of that year was creating the whole body of work for the show so they sent they literally were the final piece of the show like as i finished the last paintings and pieces for the show those were all that were left. So then I pulled them up and I shaped them and then I made them the final portrait. So they're not only a portrait of me working over the two years in this this new space that I have in Detroit, but also me creating the entire body of work for the show as well. Wow. 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 And um, I, I was, you know, doing a little research, preparing for our conversation. Yeah. And, um, you're, you know, your stereo, stereo, uh, graph, stereograph, spirograph, right? spirograph, sorry, uh, yeah. spirograph. Um, um, it was partially inspired by your daughter, right? Who's right here. Yeah. I, we got her one maybe, Hi. I don't know, maybe like her second Christmas or something like that. Okay. Second or third Christmas. And I mean, her and I are playing with it. And and like, I remember having one as a kid. Yeah. And I, and uh, and then I saw how excited she was at them and just like, and, and I, I like the idea that it's like, it's rooted in math. And yeah. I like the idea that it's like this, this single kind of, um, shape or pattern or action just repeated over and over and over yeah. and over again and you know just thinking about the passage of time yeah. uh thinking about um the illusion of control uh thinking about um you know the cycle of life and death yeah. um constantly losing friends <laughs> all yeah. the time uh and then the birth of my daughter and then the experience of that like raising a daughter and just thinking about all these things thinking about just um uh everything you know like good and bad yeah and it, it seemed that they did just a lot of it really just made sense it seemed i felt this sense of like they spoke uh they spoke on the the so much more like on the subconscious level and then just again the sheer joy of watching her reaction and then my reaction and i just felt like this is there's something really amazing here i can't and then also too like always kind of searching for some little thing that nobody else has done before yeah, and yeah, i yeah. felt like nobody's really done this before this is the perfect way to kind of uh, create something new that reaches into my history, my past, using the material spray paint. Yeah. And then, but and then, but also too, like something I'm always trying to play with with my work is I really like this tension of like com- things that are at complete odds with one another, uh, kind of uh, pushing up against one another, and what ultimately ends up happening is a product of that tension of that of that kind of struggle or conflict. You know, nothing really exists in the in the world or in the known universe, as far as we know, completely on like 
by its own, yeah. you know, it, nothing has total power over everything. Everything is really the, like, it's like the product of like these kind of warring or conflicting energies that settle into some kind of state or whatever. And, and I, I like to play with that a lot. And, and these works, like there's, they're, they're so rooted in like math. They're so rooted in, uh, in repetition and lack of, uh, you know, the, the, the system, the tools literally don't allow me to, to move any one direction except for forward yeah. and in, in move, just moving forward and continuing the path, moving in this continuous direction, this pattern reveals itself. And I, and these like harmonious kind of, um, um, uh, what's the ter- term uh, shapes and patterns when, when something's equal on both sides, symmetrical, oh, yeah, symmetrical, these harmonious, yeah. symmetrical patterns, uh, are broken up by the, just the chaos of the material. Yeah. And I, I like the, the tension. Drips and, yeah. Exactly. So every every mistake I make, every misstep, every time I, I my body literally gets like weak or tired and it starts to kind of slip outside of the frame a little bit. Uh, each one of those mistakes is recorded with these kind of deviations from this predetermined mm-hmm. pattern that I think intuitively, like on a subconscious level, we 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 uh, uh, associate with like uh, harmony with uh with balance with um almost some kind of like spiritual sense of tranquility or or just or 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 being you know yeah. and i like them i like those these shapes and these patterns broken up by this kind of really dirty chaos yeah. you know and and whatever i'm i'm rambling no, at this point no i love it no yeah. no i love it i love it it's it's also um you know i i have kids too mine are older they're 16 and 18 but you know, we learn a lot from our kids. Our kids say things that make us think about ourselves and our, you know, our mortality, our reality. And, you know, we learn from them. So I, 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 I thought it was very touching that your daughter inspired this. And it's also, it must be cool that your dad has the biggest spirograph in the world, right? And he's like strong enough to wield it. Because like I've seen you with your tools, the stuff you make. That's not easy. I mean, the, the you know, it must take practice, a lot of trial and error. Because, um, you know, you make it look easy on your, because, you know, when you look at your videos, it looks easy, but it, it must take a lot of, I'm guessing, you know, trial and error. I, I, I just, you know, it's like anything else. The more you do it, I'm terribly out of shape. That's like the closest thing I get to exercise. <laughs> and uh, I think just, I think that I, uh, just the more you do it. And then also too, it's like, you know, you really have to commit to it. So if it's happening, you don't want to blow it. Yeah. So you just, if it hurts or, you know, if it's uncomfortable, you have to commit to it and see it through to the end. And again, that goes back to kind of what we had started to talk about a bit. And I like that type of stress. Yeah. I like, I like it when it hurts. Yeah. I like it when it's not easy. I like, uh, I like a, a dysfunctional, uh, intensity. Yeah. And like, that's how I, that's how I made work my entire life up until before the the studio became my main focus. The way in which I made work was always under these really stressful, yeah. intense conditions, and I like I like that uh, I like that being part of my practice. And I, I, I for me, that's really kind of what it's all about. Sometimes I'm not even so concerned with what it ultimately ends up happening. I just like the really stressful, chaotic, difficult, uh, strenuous intensity of the process and making the work. Well, it's amazing um, that you've been able to harness that, right? And that that because um, it's not an easy thing to accomplish, right? To 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 create the conditions you need to find to work in, 
And uh, so congratulations, because it's, it's awesome. Thank, thank you very much. It's, it's, it's really awesome. And, you know, one of the themes of your show in Detroit is, is this theme about labor and mechanization, you know, making art and, you know, with, with technology. Um, is, is that, is that, was that something that, that you and the curator talked about? Is this something that, how did this idea, where did these ideas emerge from? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I have been thinking about these ideas and in, in one form or another, but never, never like the way that Jova, the curator who unfortunately couldn't be here, she had a death in the family. Um, uh, but Jova, uh, she, she came in and, and, you know, she, we did a couple studio visits and she talked about my work, uh, in a way that I had never really considered before. And, um, I was very, uh, I was really excited by that and super appreciative of her insight and her like unique kind of perspective. But, um, but yeah, this kind of obsession with work, yeah, maybe too, because I feel guilty because I don't have a job, yeah. but this obsession with work and, um, uh, and labor, but then also too, like creating systems. I, yeah. You know, Detroit obviously is this place that kind of uh, is the birthplace of like automation and the like large line. scale assembly yeah, lines. Yeah. yeah, totally. And so much of that is present there. And then also the aftermath of like uh, automation and outsourcing and all that is like undeniably present there as well too. But I like this idea of work, and I like this idea of creating systems. And uh, I, I think subconsciously, I've been thinking about it for a while. And uh, she really kind of put it together in a, in a way that I, I hadn't I hadn't really quite thought of before, and I was you know very appreciative of that. And uh, and That's yeah, great. yeah. And and so and let's talk a bit about Detroit. You know, you you moved to Detroit. You didn't know anyone there. You isolate yourself. You start developing a new body of work, contained environment, and then eventually you go back to LA. But then eventually you move back to Detroit. So what 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 led to that? return to Detroit? Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of reasons why I left in the first place. Uh, oh, but I'm, I'm the return, you know, like the, re the return, uh, the return was a lot of things. Um, you know, some of them just like, you know, well, okay. So for example, we have been trying to buy a house forever. Yeah. It's really challenging in LA. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, having a space, yeah. uh, you know, the price per, you know, when the medical marijuana thing and, uh, it just made the price per square foot, like industrial space, oh. go through the roof. So trying to buy a building, trying to buy a home got to be very challenging. Um, but then also to the culture there, uh, my friends, my wife's friends, yeah. the nice uh, people. Yeah, it's like it's it's like it's a gift and a curse. It's like, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a part of this like real kind of large community. And then within that community, I have like a really, really tight net, close group of friends that I love and I appreciate so much, but sometimes that sometimes you just have to kind of get away from all that as well yeah. too. Um, but I think that there's an energy there in Detroit that um, I like, I found myself post pandemic bitching a lot about it, but I, uh, I can, sometimes I complain about things that I, I simultaneously really appreciate and enjoy. Yeah. And I like that. I like this like uh, scarcity there. Yeah. I like that. Like every, like, Anything you want, any kind of impulse, any indulgence, any any kind of convenience, any kind of luxury, uh, it's not just there available at your fingertips. Yeah. There, you really kind of have to make it yourself or figure out, be creative and figure out a way to make something happen that's not readily available in a city like New York or LA or yeah. even Miami or wherever. Um, and it, it forces you sometimes to be a little bit uh, a little bit more creative and just kind of think outside the box. And I like 
I, I just, I really appreciate the people there. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of no bullshit there. It's like what you see is what you get. Someone comes up to you, says, Hey, what's your name? Yeah. Sticks your hand out. <laughs> they genuinely are interested in you. Yeah, it's not yeah, because yeah. they want something or they're looking to like, it's, it's just, things are what they are. There's a real simplicity in that, a sincerity. Uh, I like that a lot. Um, and then also too, it's like, you know, the, the reality is that place really kind of offers a, uh, another kind of abundance. Yeah. That well, like it, land, space, space. Yeah. and stuff, right? Because there's like remnants of this yeah. industrial explosion that took place there. In and, the 20th century. and all those things are embedded with like years and years and years and years of, 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 of struggle, of, of joy. You know, there's like, there's so much, um, there's such a history there. And everything's so lived in, you know, and it, it, it's a, it's an older city. It's got a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ghosts, yeah. you know, good and bad yeah. that are present there and you can't help, but, but kind of be, uh, possessed a little bit by that. Okay. You know, that every, there's, there's this, there's this larger story that's omnipresent that you're always immersed in that you can't really, you can't ignore. And I like that. I, I think that it, I think that it's maybe made me a little bit of a better person okay. being outside of Los Angeles. And I think that it's made me, uh, it, I think that it, it informs my work, yeah. you know, one way or another. And, and I, and I like what it's been thus far. Um, um, thank you for that. You know, your, your work, I was going to say the other thing about Detroit, the abundance of materials, stuff to draw from. Um, but also you, you know, you have like very serious craft. Your work requires a lot of precision, technical skill. Is this is this something you you just learned after you know when you decided to move to Detroit, or had you had like did you work as a carpenter? Did you have other like how how did you learn all that? Like to do what you do? Well, I I did construction forever, but okay. um, a really good friend of mine who's since passed away. Um, this friend of mine uh, next. Oh, yeah. He was a graffiti writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you may have met him before. Yeah, yeah, no, I spent exactly a lot of time in Boston. Yeah. He was a really good friend of mine. Dude, he, he's all over. Yeah. yeah, Boston. He was all over Boston. He's actually the reason why I went to Detroit. He was the person that convinced me to go there. And because uh, he was living in Chicago at the time, I was going to move to Miami. Okay. And uh, I had never been to Detroit before. He convinced me to go check it out. And uh, but anyways, I, I'll, I'll just go forever on that. Uh, basically, he had been uh, apprenticing under like uh, a really, really skilled carpenter and woodworker in Chicago who did, you know, custom furniture, cabinetry. The guy was still is. This guy's incredible. And uh, Sean next had been apprenticing under him forever. And he saw what I was doing. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? You're going to cut your fingers off, you know? Yeah. And uh, so he, you know, he, he showed me a couple of basics. Uh, he actually still the table saw that I still use to this day. He found for me. Uh, we like rented a truck and drove out to the countryside, some like cabinet maker that was retiring. He had built this really nice custom cabinet and casters and he found it for me, checked it out. You know, he knew all the stuff I needed. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And, uh, he found it for me. And, uh, and then, you know, and then our first project together was we built a table together that I still use to this day in my studio. And, uh, and really just in that shared project, he just really kind of showed me the basics and then set me on my way. So, uh, so yeah, I, <laughs> that's wonderful get a little emotional excuse me but yeah I, I, I owe that to him oh my god yeah. no my god that's amazing yeah. to have someone teach you and and then that set you on your path to develop a whole new body of work a whole new skill set yeah so there there's this like la graffiti then there's this craft-based practice and then now we're really seeing 
a, um, a body of work where you're creating these tools to work inside and outside. That's, you know, that's, 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 no, makes me very happy to hear, to see that. What? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you guys from LA? Yeah. No, 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 no. Thank you. Any anyone else have a comment or a question? Please, we're, we're welcome. Questions or comments? You have a question for your dad? He's, he, you know, your dad is really cool, and uh, he is. He's very cool. I, I totally agree with you. You're, you're, you're lucky to have such a cool dad. Um, I, um, I, um, you know, what, one thing that, you know, this, what they were, these gentlemen were saying about driving around and looking for work. Um, it is, it, it, it's like, as, as, um, you know, as a curator, going around and finding stuff that surprises me right in, in public space is, is super gratifying. I mean, it's one of the best things about what I do. So, um, yeah, I, it was just cool to hear those guys talk about it. But, you know, I, I was thinking um, about graffiti as, as a, you know, as a form of expression, right? Um, in, um, in an educational environment where there are no resources for, or very limited resources for arts, right? Where, where kids are just kind of like, you know, taught to pass tests, right? Um, I, think, I think one of the brilliant things about graffiti is that it's such a democratic art form, right? Where where everyone could pick it up and and also make a statement, right? Feel um, you know, be recognized. Do you think that was part of the? Yeah, that was everything for me. I mean, I, I didn't initially. I didn't understand uh, over the years. I came to look back and really kind of so so. I grew up in this like culturally void place in america i grew up in the suburbs east of los angeles like the inland empire i okay. bounced i bounced all over like like riverside area riverside corona Moreno yeah. valley i bounced all over it's like this real real depressing like i said culturally void area where uh and you know nobody in my family uh had any kind of college education nobody knew anything about art for me the things that i was interested in growing up in were like album covers and like skateboard graphics and comic yeah. books and uh and I discovered when I first discovered graffiti, I was probably around 11, 12 years old. And uh, it was it was right around the time I was really excited about hip hop. And and everything was it was just this entirely new world of possibilities that was opened up to me. It felt you know, I thought that I I, I everything that I saw within my world, everything that was possible, nothing was really interesting or exciting to me, with the exception of skateboarding. And then and then graffiti really just kind of opened up. It opened up the entire world to me. Yeah. And then and then also, too, you know, where I grew up, it was very uh, it was very segregated. Neighborhoods are very broken up and segregated by by class, by race and, and the gang culture. The gang culture really kept people really in their everyone in their own little box and lane. Uh, but, you know, graffiti, as well as like the kind of underground music scene, electronic music scene. Uh, they were like the they were like the only two things that really kind of brought kids together from every different walk of life, and, and that was exactly what happened with me. 
you know, me growing up where I grew up, I, I linked up kids from every part of the city, everybody from every, 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 you know, every cast imaginable. Uh, and then from there, all through those relationships that I met, I started meeting people all over, all over Southern California, you know, Los Angeles. Then I started traveling all over the United States. Every city that I would go to, I had, I had a little tribe to hook up with. And those people were experiencing the same thing in their city. They were young kids that were all into the same thing. They had this one thing in common and it transcended every other boundary that the rest of society told you, uh, you know, kept you from interacting with and engaging with people that were different than yourself or not familiar or comfortable than you. So that really kind of created first this national net. I mean, I lived here in Miami for a while from Southern California. I, uh, I ended up in Nashville, Tennessee. I met two guys that were much older than me, one from LA and one from Miami. Um, my friend from Miami died right here on, on the I-95 and the Metro mover rail. He was oh. one of my best friends. Uh, <laughs> I keep getting emotional. Oh. <laughs> can't talk about my dead friends without getting yeah. emotional. Yeah. But he brought me here to Miami. Uh, I came here to Miami, had a whole tribe. Man, like instantly 20, 30 guys, you know, Cuban guys, Puerto Rican guys, Dominican guys, Haitian guys, white guys, every walk of life. Uh, some of them like super wealthy from Coral Gables. Some of them from Carroll City. You know, kids from everywhere. Kids from Opelika, kids from Overtown, kids from everywhere. But I got this tribe of kids. That's my friends that welcome me to my city to show me around, experience everything here. And I've experienced that really in every city in America, and then ultimately the world. And it, through those experiences, I've really kind of learned everything. It's through those experiences that I learned about art. It's, the, it's, the, it's through those experiences, meeting other graffiti writers that were, had a different, different story than me. And they, they, you know, maybe their parents are really educated or they had the opportunity. They, they just, they knew about things that I didn't know about. And that's how I learned about art. That's how I went to a museum for the, for the very first time. I set foot in a museum was for a Barry McGee show. Oh, you know, right. I, I, uh, which show? I don't know. It was, it was at the, I can't remember. My memory is terrible. I don't know if it was at, there was, there was a show. I moved to San Francisco and there was a show he did in the Moscone Center. I think oh. at Yerba Buena. Yeah, Yerba Buena. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I, that was the very first time I ever set foot in a museum. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, who's this? I'm like, what is this? Yeah. You know, and that just uh, yeah, opened yeah. up an entirely new world for me. Then after that, uh, your show that you curated probably was one of like the first five museum shows I ever went to, but it was really through. Thank graffiti. you for coming. Are you kidding me? It changed my <laughs> life. I mean, that show blew my mind. It changed my life. Um, you know, and now I'm like lucky enough to be friends with a lot of people that are in that show, but seeing those works and seeing that show, I mean, you, as far as I know, you're the first person to put together a show like that. You're the first person that I'm aware of that believed in this collective movement and a lot of these artists that are kind of outside of contemporary art, and you really kind of gave them a, a, a real a real platform to be taken seriously, and it had a huge impact on me. So I want to thank you for yep. that. I appreciate that tremendously. Thank you for so, saying that, man. Yeah. Thank you. But yeah, it, it was it was. I mean, graffiti opened up all doors to me. Yeah, and um, but yeah. and I think that's a wonderful legacy. I think it's a wonderful foundation to have. Right? That's like it gave you some. It gave you so much. Clearly. And now you've figured out a way to harness that and take it into a, a new direction. And, um, and, and it's, 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 it's great to see that, um, you know, I've, you know, been following your work for a while and, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what was going on. Um, when, when, when I was asked to do this talk, I, I didn't want to ask too many questions because I really wanted to come in and, and ask you like things I wanted to know about, 
right? And and so thank you for being so forthcoming. Um, um, I think we're we're finished on time. Is, does anyone have a question? Okay, well, thank you all for coming. Dodge that bullet. Thanks, man.